This is Kick-Ass Politics. I'm Ben Mathis. Hey, folks. We're doing a new crowdfunding campaign at patreon.com backslash kickasspolitics. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. With Patreon, you can pledge a certain amount each month, and in return for helping to sustain the show, you're going to get some great new benefits like back episodes, exclusive content, show merchandise, shout-outs on the podcast, video hangouts, invitations to live events, and more. Again, go to patreon.com backslash kickasspolitics. Thanks for your support, and thanks for continuing to listen. And now, enjoy the podcast. I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to the show. You're in for a treat today, because I'm going to turn you on to one of my favorite podcasts, and the host of it, the hilarious and ever so politically correct... (laughs) I can't do that anymore. (laughs) The hilarious and ever so politically correct Gilbert Gottfried. Known as the Comedian's Comedian... Gilbert Gottfried began doing stand-up at open mic nights in New York City at just the age of 15, and after just a few years on the stand-up comedy scene, he was recruited to join the cast of Saturday Night Live for their disastrous sixth season. But Gilbert returned to doing stand-up and soon became known for his memorable roles on TV and in film, including shows like The Cosby Show, Family Guy, Hannah Montana, Anger Management, and his recurring role on, of all things, Law & Order Special Victims Unit, as well as movies like Beverly Hills Cop 2, Problem Child and Problem Child 2, Look Who's Talking To, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, and as Abraham Lincoln in A Million Ways to Die in the West. But you probably know him best as the parrot Iago from Disney's animated classic Aladdin. He's been a regular on late-night talk shows like The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, The Late Show with Seth Meyers, At Midnight with Chris Hardwick, and The Howard Stern Show, as well as Hollywood Squares and reality TV shows like The Apprentice, Celebrity Wife Swap, and Food Network's Rachel vs. Guy Celebrity Cook-Off. Gilbert Gottfried has made numerous memorable appearances on the Comedy Central series The Burn with Jeff Ross and the Comedy Central Roasts, including his now legendary performance on the Comedy Central roast of Hugh Hefner, which inspired the documentary The Aristocrats. And most recently, he has a podcast on the Sideshow Network called Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, where he and his co-host Frank Santo Padre talk about classic movies and TV with Hollywood legends and behind-the-scenes talents. Today we'll cover some of those legends, and the ongoing problem he has with his podcast guest kicking the bucket before they make it on his show. He'll do his impression of my recent podcast guest David Steinberg, plus impressions of Vincent Price, early Larry David doing stand-up, old Lucille Ball, and senile Groucho. He talks about his lifelong battle with political correctness, from his joke at the Friars Club roast just two days after 9-11, to his tweets about the Japan tsunami that got him fired as the voice of the Aflac duck. He also talks about the living hell of working on the infamous season six of Saturday Night Live and how he found out that he got the axe from that gig. Plus, I verify the legend about Milton Berle. You know what I'm talking about. And fair warning, folks, 
While this interview is pretty tame by Gilbert Gottfried's standards, it's still Gilbert being Gilbert. So you know what you're getting into. Coming up with the hilarious Gilbert Gottfried in just a moment. to Washington, it's time for Kick-Ass Politics. And now here's your host, Ben Mathis. I'm sitting down today with Gilbert Gottfried, my favorite comedian and actor, and you know him as the Aflac Duck and the parrot from yeah. Aladdin. And you used to know me as the Aflac Duck. Well, we, yeah. we still, we still yeah. remember. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into that, but yeah. you know, I... <laughs> You're my favorite comedian. Anytime people ask me who makes me laugh, I tell them Gilbert Gottfried. And I'll tell you, I saw you a few months ago at this thing called Riot LA, which for clarification is a comedy festival. You weren't looting stores yeah. or setting <laughs> stuff on fire or anything. But um, you did. You killed and you finished your set and you walked past me and I shook your hand. I, I told you I'm a huge fan of the podcast. And you looked at me as if I jumped out from the bushes, and I, and I was thinking to myself, does this guy have any fans? He doesn't seem to be used to this. <laughs> yeah, I um, I'm just I'm looking at you like you jumped out from the bushes right now. I did. Yeah, I did from yes. Central Park. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, when you were coming up as a stand-up comic. I heard that you used to be the guy that the club owners would send in to clear the room at the end of the night. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to go on and because I, I, I didn't care. I mean, <laughs> I back then I just didn't care. I'd go on. If I did great, that was great. If I did horrible and the audience hated me, that was also fine. <laughs> and so if they had some people hanging out and they wanted to get rid of, they'd send me on. What material would you use when you wanted to get rid of people? Oh, God, there were so many. Just stuff that just plain wasn't, was only funny to me. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I love your stand-up albums, and you kind of jump between the old, jokey kind of stand-up, yeah. Milton Berle, you know, oh, yeah. guy walks into a doctor's office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> observational humor. Do you have a particular preference? Uh, no. I uh, I like to get get up there and then get off as quick as possible, get my check, and go home. <laughs> it's my uh, artistic viewpoint. Wow, you really romanticize being a stand-up yes. comic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because... You know, just the other day, I had David Steinberg on, who I, who I think you've had on the yeah, podcast, David too. David Steinberg. Yes, it, <laughs> I um, You know, when I started, it was in Canada. And, uh, you know, in Canada, they would have these little coffee shops. And, uh, and uh, that was it. That was the way you did comedy in Canada. <laughs> and it's funny. I didn't even notice till I interviewed him. He still ha totally has a Canadian accent. Oh, oh it didn't my go God. Away. It's gotten worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it sounds like a speech defect. Well, it's totally turned into. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like a Sesame Street character or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I asked him because I have long had this theory and a lot of people kind of call me out on it. I keep saying to friends, I say, 
every person should have to do a five, seven minute set at an open mic night and just try their hand at stand-up comedy because I think it would be a profound growth experience. And I say all this stuff, you'll learn something about yourself. You'll learn humility and empathy. And I built it up in my yeah. mind. And then I asked David Steinberg that. And he's like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. You don't want to do it. It's, it's like, it's like now I'm terrified. I'm afraid it'd be a soul-crushing experience that I'll be suicidal or something. Yeah, it, it's kind of like... Um, I guess how they want people like to jump out of a plane or something. <laughs> and Which reminds me, there was an episode, you talk about jumping the shark. And I, I had Henry Winkler on my podcast. Oh, we yeah, actually yeah. talked about jumping yeah. the shark. Yeah, he's a cause, sweetheart. Cause, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's Henry Winkler's. The you boss. are the most wonderful person <laughs> I've ever met in my life. That's a lot like your yeah. guilt, like your. Uh, that's a lot like your Vincent Price yes. impression too. Uh, yes, <laughs> and then Henry Winkler started going, "The team is losing the theater. <laughs> scream, scream for your lives! The team is loose. If it'll only let go of you, if you scream." And and um, uh, but th there was an episode of the Andy Griffith Show. And this what? shows where with Vincent Price? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that special. Um, so when the no. creepy effeminate guy comes to yeah. uh, <laughs> Mayberry and Andy has to hide Opie. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, Vincent Price, I think he showed up on um, what was it? The break the. Brady Bunch or something. Yeah. They were in Hawaii. He did, a can he did a ton of cameos on everything. It oh, seems. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. But it it wasn't Vincent Price in it. I just got <laughs> uh, on the Andy Griffith show. Aunt B <laughs> goes parachute jumping. I there don't was remember an that episode. Really? Where? Yeah, like a later, a later when they were in color. Was this when they were renegotiating her contract? They, or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a cliffhanger I, I, into the as season. I remember what? they did that really horrible, phony, uh, you know, sky oh, in the yeah, background. Oh yeah, in front of the screen. Yeah, yeah. And and they had Aunt B go skydiving, and it's like you know, you talked about jumping the shark. That's when it's time. Yeah, man, I've never, that show. you're sure of this. I've never heard of this, yes, and I love that show. I bet show. you could look that up. I will. <laughs> I'm definitely going to look that one up. Well, I'm curious, who were some See, of the comedians that you came up with when you were starting out in the clubs? Oh God, let's see. They well, I would, I would, I was there starting way back, but along the way, oh well, Larry David was there. Okay. Um. Uh, let's see. There was, um, well, Bill Maher would come in, uh, Dennis Miller, uh, Paul wow. Reiser, Jerry Seinfeld. Okay, so you, you had a pretty good class there. Yeah. Now, what was Larry David like back then? Because everyone he, says that he was just such a pain in the ass as he, a comic. Oh, yeah. He, he would get angry. <laughs> You'd get angry at even, the audience yeah, or himself. Oh, yeah. I think both. <laughs> I think he's probably angry at himself and he took it out on the audience. <laughs> and eh, what was fun about watching him was he'd get into fights with audience members. 
That's how you yeah. win friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he. What would he fight about? Uh, you know, if someone wasn't laughing or someone said something, <laughs> he he would start <laughs> fighting with people. And one time. <clears throat> they would was, argue <clears throat> over whether he was funny or not. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he one time he was yelling at some guy and the guy said, you want to take it outside? And he <laughs> said, yeah. And then this guy stood up and he was a mountain. <laughs> and he, and so someone said, no, no, I don't think you should fight. <laughs> we'll get him another free beer. Yeah, and wasn't and, there some story, like, he was telling a joke that referenced a bungalow, and, like, nobody in New York knows what a bungalow oh, yeah. is. That's a California <laughs> thing. And, and then nobody was last. Someone yelled out, what's a bungalow? And he's like, you guys are idiots, or something. Uh, and he storms off the what, stage. You don't know what a bungalow is? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's. What a minute, what a minute, you know? <laughs> I I remember one time uh he was having a fight with someone in the audience and the guy in the audience yells to Larry David, he goes he goes, Oh yeah? Well your mother fucks my dog. <laughs> and 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 Larry goes, Oh yeah, well I I bet your dog doesn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Those must have been some fun years. <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you something because, you know, I used to hang out at the old Friars Club in Beverly Hills when it was oh, still. Yeah. I was like the youngest guy. I was like probably 20 years old or something. And I was their youngest member. And I would hang out there. And I know you hang out at the New York yeah. Friars Club here, which is still open. Their membership oh, hasn't yeah. died off like the one in California. But Milton Berle once said to me. He gave me some advice. I don't know why he gave me this advice because I wasn't a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure who he thought I was. But he said to me something about the difference between a comic and a comedian. And he oh, said, one tells funny stories and one tells stories a funny way. I, I forgot which one it is, but can you make any sense of that? Uh, yeah, I, that's an old expression. Oh, it is. Yeah. Just like stealing the jokes. He oh, steals yeah. advice, he, too. He's stealing <laughs> advice. It's just like, I just came up with some advice. Uh, brush your teeth after every meal. Yeah. <laughs> Four scores and seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> As he lights his cigar. <laughs> Was your stand-up career before SNL or before or after uh, SNL? Yeah, I had. I was off? doing stand-up, and uh, oh wait, maybe just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's it's, revived. Is that is that how yeah. you get the Gilbert voice yeah. going? No, it's it's sometimes <laughs> early in the morning. It's not that early, but it's early for me. And and when I've done a show the night before, and sometimes I'll feel it. And I'll go, oh and I and I sound like Lucy. Uh in her, you do. Yeah. Of the last season of the Lucy show, you know. Yeah, yeah. Was, what was that? That was, was Life with Lucy. Right, right. Yeah. And I remember just the other day I was listening to the soundtrack from MAME. The movie oh, version. You where, coax the blues right yeah. out of the heart. It, yeah, it was like listening to James Earl Jones oh. after a bunch of cigars, oh, you know, God. trying to sing yeah. shit. I don't even know that that octave was on the scale. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, she was like, man. <laughs> and like all the other, all the, the cast and all the other singers were trying to 
figure out what key she was in and keep up with her uh, and sing around her. <laughs> it, it, it's like, I remember, um, I, uh, they were doing a commercial years ago and they wanted it, you know, Bogey and Bacall, you know, with Humphrey yeah. Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Well, Lauren Bacall was still alive. She was still around. Yeah. And uh, so they, they got this uh, guy who, who did a, a Humphrey Bogart imitation and that, but at that point, wait, what was, uh, what was this for? Oh, this um, is for the for the Lucy show. Uh, no, 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 oh, no. This was some radio show. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, some radio commercial. Okay. So they were gonna have, uh, you know, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall for such and such a product. And now Lauren Bacall was still alive. Humphrey Bogart had been dead for years, so they got yeah. a guy to imitate Humphrey Bogart. And the problem was, at that point, Lauren Bacall was no kid anymore, and her voice was deeper than the guy doing Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, she probably sounded more like Bogey than yeah. the other guy. Yeah, she was like, that, you know, hi, Bogey. And he's like, hey, <laughs> well, hello, playing a game, Well, you know the story of how she got that voice, right? Have you ever heard that one? I know you love old Hollywood lore. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, the story I think was that a studio exec or, or her acting coach, she, I guess she had like one of those East coast accents, kind of like, uh, you know, from the Philadelphia story or something. And when she came to Hollywood, her acting coach, I think it was sent her out into the mountains for like three days and told her to just keep yelling at the top of her lungs. And then she came down from the mountains like uh -huh. Moses with a oh, sexy geez. raspy voice. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just got lower and lower and raspier yeah. and raspier year by year. Well, you have, I have to say, I admire you because you've suffered your share of indignities as a comic <laughs> and an actor. You got fired as the Aflac duck. Yes. Um, you, you, from that to working on the infamous Alan Thick late night show. Yeah. But first, first I was fired from. <laughs> uh saturday night live that's what i was gonna yeah. say was that the was that the worst was that the most miserable experience no, of your life well being on it was certainly miserable because <laughs> it was the worst time to be on saturday night live. right it was after lauren had left yeah lauren yeah. and chevy and belushi and so it it was kind of like if in the middle of Beatlemania, john <laughs> paul george and ringo left and uh, you said, oh, now we've got four other schmucks. <laughs> and uh, so people and the press hated us even before we went on the air. It was there were articles being written and people writing angry letters like, how dare you continue this? And it's funny because they still do that to this day. Like every two years, people start predicting SNL has jumped the shark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, I don't know. What was it? Could they not find the niche for you or what was oh, it? Oh, it was, it, that was pretty awful. And I remember <clears throat> what was funny is that they, now when I watch Saturday Night Live, if and I, I don't I don't never watch it. I'm, I'm, it's one of those things like every couple of months I'm switching around and I'll stop. Yeah. yeah. And and I'll go whenever I find myself going, 
oh, this sucks. Now, if I were, and then I go, wait a minute, I was there, and it sucked even worse, you know. <laughs> and you were totally <clears throat> different back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was totally. At, at one point, am I right, that they, they had you playing a corpse? Yeah. That's how hard, how hard it was to find yeah. a spot for you on that show. Well, I, the writers hated me. I hated the writers, <laughs> and I think they That's just wanted their revenge by having me as a corpse. <laughs> You know, it's like, like the least quiet guy I've ever <laughs> yeah. met. So I can't even <laughs> picture that. You well, know, it saved money on getting a mannequin or something <laughs> to throw in there. Yeah. And how did <clears throat> you find out that you were fired from the show? Oh, yes. After 12 episodes? Well, first, I remember uh, at one point I was sitting in an office. It wasn't our office, it was just some empty office, someone was out to lunch, and I was sitting there with Eddie Murphy, and we were talking. And then one of the girls who worked there pops her head in, and she goes, oh, Eddie, there's a call for you on line two. And he picks it up, and he goes, yeah, yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> no, 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 I won't tell anyone. I'm not going to tell anyone. No, no, okay, okay, all right. And he and before he even hangs up the phone, he goes, "They just fired Gene Demanion," and that was the uh, producer who yeah, was subbing yes. in for yeah. Who who didn't Gene Demanion did the the Woody Allen movies oh, and yes. a bunch of theater and yeah. that kind of thing, but didn't really SNL wasn't the right niche. Yeah, yeah. She so she was fired, and then we got Dick Ebersole right. brought in. Who I and, think of as a sports guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. So, and and he brings us all around. He says, okay, uh, I'm the new producer. I'm going to make some cha little changes here. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Take a week off. Come back in a week. I'll, we'll get together, I'll tell you. And then so when we're getting together, it's all separate. Everyone waits outside the office and goes in separately. And you see people coming out it's sometimes ominous. crying that they've just been fired. Uh, so while I'm waiting out there, there's some desk where they used to dump all the fan letters. <laughs> and from some girl in Omaha, uh, I see it's addressed to me. So I, I figure I'm killing time reading my fan letters. And I open up from this like teenage girl in Omaha or something. And she goes, Dear Gilbert, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> so you were the last one to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you were all ready to strut in there and renegotiate your contract. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, that was pretty painful. Another one that we referenced earlier was uh, the Aflac duck. For a number oh, yes. of years, you were the voice of the Aflac duck, and you got fired over a few tweets, some, some tsunami jokes when yeah. the, the tsunami hit in Japan, the Fukushima meltdown and all that stuff. Um, were they very classy about it, Aflac? <laughs> uh, I found out I got fired on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't call me personally. Well, thing I, is, look how far uh, we've come from uh, fan yes. letters to, <laughs> to emails. <laughs> so they fired me and and milked it for all the publicity they could get, <laughs> and then hired a, a a guy to imitate my voice for less money, <laughs> thus bringing closure to a horrible tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know and, and there's also there was the 9-11 joke that you made at the the friars <laughs> roast a few, yeah. right after uh, 9-11 a yeah, few years ago you have to yeah are are you ever amazed at all the the righteous indignation that people come up with oh. the moment that you know anyone cracks a joke that's oh. quote unquote too soon yeah and and that's another thing like if you say something too soon like I do, you're a bad person. You're a bad and yeah. sensitive beast. Yeah. But if you wait a while, like you could do jokes about the Titanic and yeah. no one will say anything. But, it, and it's like, see, to me, waiting makes the joke more offensive. Oh, because at least when I say it, Part of what makes it funny is you're going, oh, my God, I can't believe he said it about something so horrible. <laughs> and if you wait, what you're saying is, uh, like, if you do a Titanic joke, you're basically telling the audience, hey, you know, that was years ago. And even their grandkids are it dead. Doesn't Fuck matter. them. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the people who died on the Titanic. <laughs> and that makes you a good person. Yeah. Now, what was the joke that you told? What was it? Two days after 9-11? Uh, yeah. At the fires I, I said, I have to leave early tonight. I, I have to catch a flight to L.A. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a direct flight. We have to make a stop at the Empire State Building. <laughs> no, now that's a kind of a funny joke. Yeah. That's actually a pretty well-crafted joke. Yeah. Uh, and people did not like that. Like, oh, it was like, if you told me I was up there for 200 years after <laughs> saying that joke, that's what it felt like. They were booing and hissing and chairs were screeching and uh, one guy yelled out too soon and I thought it meant I didn't take a long enough pause between the setup and punchline <laughs> and I should have done one, two, three and then said Empire State Building but um, then I, I figured why not go to the bottom level of hell yeah. I, at that point I and I start doing the aristocrats yeah, joke yeah Famously uh, body joke. Yeah, yeah, and it's all incest and bestiality. <laughs> yeah. And so they were And you redeemed yourself by the end yes. of it. That's what's amazing. They're howling and cheering. Yeah. I mean, it's the place explodes. Yeah, they applauded your resilience. Yeah, and I, well, I, but I, to me it meant uh, terrorist attacks, bad taste, incest and bestiality, yeah. good taste. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I would applaud that because I think... You know, there's no bigger way to stand up to terrorists than to mock them, to say, you're not going to keep us from being able to laugh and be happy and speak our mind and have free speech and all this. Yeah, um, I, I kind of think like if the terrorists had heard like, uh, you know, how the Americans are acting and you said, eh, they're making jokes and laughing about it, they go... What the hell? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> they're supposed to be hiding under their couches now. Yeah, yeah. They're afraid of Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more with comedian Gilbert Godfrey. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey folks, do you like reading, but you find it's getting harder and harder to make time to curl up with a good book? Well, there's a solution. Give audiobooks a try. They're perfect for your commute to work or if you're working out at the gym, a relaxing bath, or any time really. 
And right now, you can take an audiobook for a spin with a special promotion just for our listeners from audible.com. Just go to audibletrial.com backslash kickasspolitics to get a free 30-day trial and download any of Audible's 180,000 titles. That's audibletrial.com backslash kickasspolitics. Or click on the sponsor link on our webpage to download the free audiobook of your choice. And now back to more with the hilarious Gilbert Gottfried. You have this fantastic podcast that you started, I guess, around the time that I started my podcast. It's called The Amazing Colossal Podcast. And you, I guess it's an extension of your lifelong love of old movies and old TV shows oh, and yeah. old Hollywood that goes back to childhood, huh? Yeah, because, well, when I was a kid, I remember... The best film school in the country was in your living room because they used to fill it with old movies. And like one channel would have the old gangster Bogart, Cagney and Robinson movies. And then the next channel would be like the the universal horror films. <laughs> and they, you'd, you'd even see like they'd All even the show silent films. Oh, really? On, yeah. ne on network television or local stations? Oh, yeah. Stations. Wow. I mean, everything popped up then. Before TCM. Yeah. Huh. And the most obscure things, they would just need filler. And and I became fascinated with old movies, and uh, and then they had the variety shows. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! You're a big both, fan of those. Oh, both yeah. old and new stars yeah. were on that, and that fascinated me. Yeah, and it's such a fun podcast because you have all of these old stars, old comedians, old actors, songwriters, writers, and it's kind of like you're archiving stories. Oh the, yes. the great stories of entertainment in Hollywood. And it's so fascinating that, and it's great that someone's doing that. Oh, that these yeah. stories won't die with the people because your guests are dying off. Oh. <laughs> you know, you're well aware of that. Oh, I, I don't know how many times I had an idea and I'd say, Oh God, you know, who I'd love to have them in the podcast and I'll write their name down on a piece of paper and they'll die. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll die before I get to the last name, before I've written down the last. Because, uh, I mean, it is. I, I we, yeah. We're going to have Jack Carter on the show. Right. And he he died. Um, this old character actor, William Shallard, uh, he died <laughs> when after he agreed to do it. Well, yeah. And when Jack Carter, let's say, canceled, <laughs> canceled his appearance. <laughs> Um, you brought in instead Pat Cooper, who's kind of in a similar vein. Yes. And he he's one of those ones. I love it when you have a guest who I feel like they, they're wheeled in with an oxygen tank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's these old show folks who seem to just be hanging on because they still have a bunch of axes to grind with people. Oh, yeah. And they use your show as like to go off on everyone who's ever done them wrong. And it's like, you're like, oh, you know. How, what was it like on this movie? And it's like, you know, they'll be like, oh, Milton Berle is a son of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He stole my act. Or so-and-so owes, still owes me $500. <laughs> I, uh, I met this guy, uh, the, uh, oh, God, what is his name now? Damn. 
the amazing something. Uh, Carl Ballantyne. Okay. The amazing. I don't even know the that legendary name. Carl. He's one of these guys. I think he was in the Kale's Navy. <laughs> and he's popped up in movies and TV shows. If you saw him, you'd recognize the voice. Like a big kind of grumpy Jewish guy <clears throat> with a putty face. And <laughs> and he he uh, he was very funny. He used to do a made-up magic act, you know, where he'd do these tricks that all go wrong, and he'd <laughs> mutter something angry and go on to the next <laughs> trick. And he was very funny. So I met him one time, and I was talking to him, and to that day, decades later, he hated Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Because he was opening for Martin and Lewis, so that's how far back it is. Wow, Wasn't yeah, that is old. Jerry by himself. And it was an outdoor arena, and it was raining out. And Jerry said to Carl, he goes, you know, go out there. The crowd's going to be or start to riot if there's nothing going on. And he goes, no, I'm wearing a tux. It's raining out there. He goes, <laughs> And Jerry goes, I'll buy you a new tux. And he goes out, and his tux is ruined, and Jerry never bought him a new tux. And and to this day, he remembers every oh word. Yeah, it's always funny. You get these old people who they, they just won't let go of stuff. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's the only thing keeping them alive. <laughs> now, Jerry, is Jerry one of the big gets that you would like to get? Because I know that you really love Jerry. You oh, talk yeah. about him all the time on the show. Yeah, I, I'd love to have him on, but that's like, uh, I guess what they'd call a hard get. Well, and he yeah. but he likes you, apparently. Yeah, he yeah. seemed to be nice, but I don't know if that... Uh, translates into yeah. coming on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one of the things about your show is you have a penchant for ribald tales of old Hollywood stars' sex yeah. lives. Uh, there's the Danny Thomas story, which I won't get into because my mom <laughs> listens to this. My mom from Texas, you know, who's so she's somewhere between Margaret Dumont and like, you know, the queen. In terms of, you know, and I know that she'll totally listen and she'll laugh, but then she'll tell me, oh, I don't know. <laughs> or there's the Paul Lind story, which I love. And then I wonder, is this your personal favorite, the Cesar Romero story? Oh, yes, yes, okay. Cesar Romero. Tell us about Cesar and, Romero. Um, when, and also, of course, any chance we have to talk about Milton Berle's penis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah. I, it, I, yeah. I, I can verify the stories about Milton Berle. Because yeah. when I was at the Friars Club, like I said, I was the youngest guy. And the problem is... I have the exact same story as Jeff Ross, the same story that he told on your show, yeah. <laughs> The Comedian, because Milton was really old. He wasn't getting around very well. And I would sit at his, he would have a big table with a lot of people. I would sit there at lunch and then, you know, it kind of peter out. And around 2.30 or so, you know, I was the last person left. And he asked me to help him to the bathroom because he didn't get, get around very well. Oh, geez. Literally the same story as Jeff Ross. So I help him to the bathroom and... You know, I'm almost wondering if this was some kind of come on, the fact that it comes up <laughs> twice with two different people, the exact same situation. But yeah, so he goes to the bathroom, he whips it out, and yeah, yeah the, the the legends are true. Oh, geez, Absolutely. so you saw it. Yeah, 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 I did. It, it was it was the size of a five-year-old. <laughs> but you know, the only reason I knew this, because 
it's it's not a big secret. Everyone in Hollywood knows yeah, that everyone uh, has Milton seen Berle it. has his famous appendage. I, it was even referenced on Friends once, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, it, it, even in uh, that Louis cartoon when Louis Anderson had a children's cartoon where uh, his father is supposedly gets locked out of the house naked and he goes, oh, I wish I was Milton Berle. <laughs> <laughs> and... It, it is. I mean, this is one of those that, yeah. that there are so many of these legends that no one can uh, actually. Verify. Yeah. Yeah. But boy, Burl's penis. Yeah. Now, what's and, this? In fact, I I heard that um, one time there was at some event, Jerry, I think it was Jerry Mathers or some, or Jerry Mathers, the, one of the, 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 Trolls from the Wizard of Oz. The, <laughs> the dwarfs, trolls? Trolls, dwarves. What I think were they the PC called? term is little people now. Yeah. We can't even say midget anymore. I, like, I love freaks. these. Call them trolls. <laughs> one, of those, one of the freaks. One of those guys that escaped from the circus. So, the what were they calling them? The dwarves? Uh, yeah, dwarves. Yeah, yeah, wait, on, on Wizard of Oz? Yeah, the, the munchkins, munchkins, munchkins. The Munchkins. Yeah. I like Charles better. <laughs> yeah, the, one of the Munchkins, original Munchkins from the Wizard of Oz, was still alive. And and he was at this event, and uh, <clears throat> Milton Berle was there. And uh, Jack Carter goes over to Milton Berle, he points to the, <laughs> to the <laughs> Munchkin, and he goes... Hey Milton, this guy's as big as your cock. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- you know, I know you have to go pretty soon, but uh, tell us the Caesar Romero story. Caesar Romero, I mean, in in the, the movies, legend, yeah, yes, he was a Latin lover, <laughs> and you know, he had the mustache. Even he even kept right. the mustache right. as the Joker. Yeah. He was and, a ladies' man in the movies. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like the real classic. Uh, no. But in real life, he was gay. And he, what he was into was he used to gather up these boy toys and he'd pull his pants and underwear down and, <laughs> and instruct the, these guys to throw orange wedges at his ass. <laughs> Now, some say tangerine wedges, so so there are some uh, arguments. Yeah, the subject of much debate among film critics and citrus experts. And and one other person told me that uh, he would stand ankle deep in warm water (laughs) while he did this. I'm I'm still trying to imagine what that did for him. Yeah, I don't know when you wake up one day and go, hmm, you know, it would be a turn on (laughs) Well, I always feel bad for these people when you start telling these stories on the on the show because they're all these unverified legends. <laughs> and I feel bad for like Danny Thomas and these guys because it's like you, you have this prolific career. You do all of this great work, all this humani- humanitarian work and charities and St. Jude's yeah. and all this. And then you become known for something like that for yeah. the rest of your life. That, 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 that ends up on your Wikipedia page you know, for hundreds of years after you're gone. But in, in a different category, of a category where I guess it's been proved, uh, is, is the Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah, yeah. A thousand years from now, if you say Bill Cosby, they'll yeah. go, oh, that He'll never live that Yeah, down. yeah. No, no. Uh, any of his albums or TV shows, 
Forget it. <laughs> well, I don't know. You better watch out. Someone might do that to you one of these days. Oh. Like, there's this story about Gilbert Godfrey and a sheep one yeah. time. <laughs> and he would stand ankle deep in warm water with the sheep <laughs> while they flung coconuts at his ass. <laughs> well, one of the things I love about you is I didn't even realize until you started your show, uh, The Amazing Colossal Podcast, I didn't know that you do impressions, but you do impressions of people that no one's ever heard of oh, or yeah. like old oh. Groucho Marx, not see, young Groucho, see, old now, Groucho. Now there, those were some of the things, how I would chase the audience out. I would do impressions of these people that nobody knew. I would go and, you <laughs> know. Sydney like, Green Street. Or yeah, something. yeah. And so the way like some people would have, you know, in the old days, the impressionists would go, hey, if uh, Cary Grant was your waiter, it might go something like this. And and I would do it like, and if uh, John MacGyver was your waiter, who's everything here must go according to schedule. I run a tight ship here. <laughs> yeah, because when I saw you do uh, stand-up a few months ago, uh, you know, I, I feel you were doing impressions of like Al Jolson, and I feel like oh, I was yes. the only person <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and then you would do like Groucho Marx, but you would do Groucho uh, when he was losing his memory and just rambling yeah, like <laughs> on the Dick Cavett Everybody show. else was, you know, that's the nastiest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. You know, that got the typical Groucho. Um, and I would like, I was fascinated with the old, with Groucho when he was old. Yeah, like and when you go on Dick Cavett yes. or something. Yeah, and It was like, I was once working and uh, it was in the theater and this was, uh, now the theater was a place where you'd stand on the stage and there'd be people in the audience, and, and the audience was was a name for people who would watch the show. A show was something that would go on on stage. <laughs> and that, for people who haven't seen those interviews, that's pretty much a dead-on impression. Yeah. Yeah. But every now and then he would still have that little spark and you'd oh, see a little yeah. of the old Groucho yeah, Marx wit. See. Yeah. yeah, like the eyes would light up and his voice would take on a more of a strength. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know that you have to go, uh, but I appreciate your taking time to sit down with me. Um, the show is called uh, The Amazing Colossal oh, Podcast. Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Gilbert, oh, Right, Gilbert Godfrey's. Don't want it to confuse colossal. it with the other Amazing Colossal yeah, Podcast. Yeah. Gilbert Gottfried's <laughs> Amazing Colossal Podcast. And do you have anything else that you want to plug uh, coming oh, well, up? Well, it's on, um, it's on, you could hear it on gilbertgottfried.com. Subscribe on iTunes in the comedy category. Terrific. Well, yeah, everyone should definitely subscribe and vote for it. Uh, you want to take us out with a little bit of the dummy in the window? <laughs> <laughs> this was, there used to be this uh, black comedian named Larry Raglan. <laughs> 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 Today I thought I saw a dummy in the window. I looked 
and it was you <laughs> wearing a new dress as usual, trying to look your best impossible, cause with you it's not really what you wear, why don't you wash your face, it's a disgrace. And that was part of his comedy act? Yes. Good God. That was my favorite part of it. All right. Well, Larry Ragland and Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert, thanks so much for sitting down with me. That was, this has been way too much oh, fun. Oh, and, and my Twitter is at Real Gilbert. Okay, at Real Gilbert. Twitter's Definitely an expensive hobby to have. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. That's how you last lost the Aflac duck. Yes. Are, you, are, you more, are you more careful about your tweets now? Uh, no. Well, it's like I always say. I, now I think twice about it, but I do it anyway. Well, are you, are you the guy who censors Donald Trump when he tweets, too? <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert, I love it. You're too much fun. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Gilbert Gottfried for coming on the podcast. I swear I never laughed so much in my life. If you enjoyed my talk with Gilbert, and you know you did, you can subscribe to his podcast on iTunes. It's called Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. I'll also include links for that in the show notes and on our website. His comedy album, Gilbert Gottfried Dirty Jokes, is also available on iTunes and Spotify. You can get the latest on Gilbert and his upcoming live appearances at gilbertgodfried.com and check out his podcast site at gilbertpodcast.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at at RealGilbert. Please subscribe to Kick-Ass Politics on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. And you can also help us reach our fundraising goal for the year and get rewarded by donating to our Patreon campaign at patreon.com backslash kickasspolitics. Follow us on Twitter at at KAPolitics or visit Kickass Politics on Facebook. And while you're there, recommend Kickass Politics to your friends on your social media. And as always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickasspolitics.com. But for now, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kickass Politics. Kick-Ass Politics is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.